Lots of names thrown out at you in that video. Um, if you're unfamiliar with some of those names, I'd encourage you to, to think back and just do a little bit of looking up at what some of those people have, have done and, and the way that they have tried to be faithful in their own lives and their own uh, walk with Jesus. Um, but it, it, what I appreciated in, in this short little video is um, the way she's recalling some folks who um, continue to speak into our lives and, and who have been uh, faithful in the way that they tried to follow Jesus and, and that encourages us, uh, is a, can be a model for us um, and, and um, I, I hope that we continue to, to learn from those that have gone before us and um, yeah. I hope that we continue to learn lessons from them. We're going to be taking a look at this passage a little bit from Hebrews this morning, but before we do that, uh, would you pray with me? Jesus, may the words of my mouth, the meditation of our hearts, and, and our, our meditating on, on the lives of your faithful saints, um, just speak to us, inspire us, encourage us, challenge us. In, in our walk with you. We thank you and praise you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'm gonna grab, Mike, I'm grabbing this uh, microphone here, wireless mic five. Um, let me start by asking, who are some of the saints, um, and I have a pretty broad definition of saints. I don't, this doesn't need to like have gone through a church process of voting on who exactly these saints are. We don't have to call them saint, you know, whatever for them to be considered saint. But who are some of the saints uh, that you look to that inspire you in your uh, faith? And they can be ones that we all know and, and famous people, uh, but maybe they're people that uh, you might know in Spring Creek or folks uh, in your own life that have been a model of faith for you? All right. My grandparents, um, William and Gertrude Garrison, who were members of this church. Yeah. And their, and their life just... Just the way they lived their lives um, just portrayed what I want to be mm. and who I want to be. Yeah. yeah. Milton Hershey and Martin Luther King. All right. Is there um, a short reason why those two? Milton and Catherine Hershey. Um, with the building of their Milton Hershey School, uh, and they're, all they've contributed to thousands of graduates, and Martin Luther King with, the, with his nonviolent leadership. Mm. Yeah. Lessons that we're still trying to, to learn um, and how to make a, a difference in, in the way that he did. Yeah. Irma Grosnickel um, had a huge impact on me. Um, she was always here 
despite the pain of arthritic hands and feet and whatever, she was a blessing to all and a real example. Emery Hollinger, I just remember him doing so much for the church, always being here and so willing uh, to help out. I think the Reverend Billy Graham, who I still watch some of his old um, um, services. All right. According to scripture, you don't have to be dead to be a saint. <laughs> and so many of us have people in our own lives that are saints that, that influence us. I'm not gonna name any in mind, but there are plenty. Uh, deceased and also still living. Yeah. My Aunt June and Aunt Mary. All right. Certainly I've had fantastic influence on my life. I could, I could talk to him, and he just always had something good to say. Mm -hmm. And uh, always had smiles on their faces, and no matter what. And what they went through in their lives, and how God brought, uh, how I lifted them up, and how God healed my Aunt June, and she's able to be here today in Aunt Mary. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, very good. I have to say, and this is probably for all the cousins in my family, it's our grandmother, Daisy Hustler. My mother's mother, she, <laughs> with all the children she had, and all the pain she went through in her life, and she was always the best person I ever knew. So, my, day, my grandmother. Weird one, but Joan of Arc. Okay, <laughs> there you go. Little yep, yep. <laughs> All right. It's in interesting to hear people's, uh, who, who inspires them and, and the folks that um, have kind of made such an impact uh, on you all uh, on each of us. I think really celebrating uh, our, our saints, and, and you, Dick, you're, you're right, that saints, uh, I, like I said, it's in some parts of the church, it's a, it's a formal process and everything, but yeah, I have a, a broader view of, of what it means to be a saint, but I think looking back at our history and looking at uh, faithful uh, followers of Jesus down through the ages is something that's really important for us. And um, unfortunately, it's something that's kind of gotten lost, I think, uh, sometimes in the church, that, that we lose a, a perspective of history and we lose some of the stories of what faithful, faithfully following Jesus has looked like. Growing up, my understanding of church and church history was like uh, Jesus, Jesus, 
Peter, Paul, and then I kind of skipped to Pastor Tom. That's the, the pastor that uh, was there when, when I was young and to, to today. Like, I just didn't have any kind of perspective on, you know, what happened between Paul and where I'm at. Uh, no sense of, uh, as the writer of Hebrews says, the cloud of witnesses that is uh, surrounding and, and cheering and, and, and rooting us on those that have come before us. And I'm not sure if you'd ask me uh, in high school, in college I started to have a little bit understanding of saints, uh, but I'm not sure what I would have been able to tell you about the saints or who saints were or, or what that word meant. I do remember our former uh, district executive, Craig Smith, uh, when he would greet people uh, on Sunday mornings, he would say, good morning, saints, and everybody would cheerfully respond, good morning, and then he would say, good morning, sinners, and, and the response after that was a, a little less uh, boisterous. Um, Eventually, uh, I started to get introduced to some of the heroes of the faith, uh, first in a book called Jesus Freak, uh, which Luke brought up uh, the DC Talk album. Uh, for those of you of a certain age range, there was a, a Christian music group called DC Talk, and they had a, a book that came out that borrowed heavily from uh, Fox's Book of Martyrs and some other um, stories, uh, people that had persevered through uh, persecutions, through uh, being martyred for their faith. And this was one of the first introductions to me of many of these heroes of the faith. It had some brief stories of martyrs under the Roman Empire or the, the Spanish Inquisition, um, as well as more modern ones under communist Russia and China. But honestly, I didn't even really have a frame of reference for uh, brethren history and, and what that meant. I didn't really know until later in my life uh, who the eight or eight or Alexander Mack was. I didn't know the stories of them defying local governments, which outlawed rebaptism, or as they saw it, a first genuine baptism. I didn't know those stories, and so I'm thankful that we've got some folks who are investing time and energy in helping our children and our youth have a little bit of those stories, catching a little bit of glimpse of some of those faithful people who have paved the way for us. I'm not going to put any of the, the youth on the spot and ask their favorite brethren, uh, Shiro or Hero, this morning. But uh, as you're learning those stories, uh, that gives us some, some idea of the people that have uh, tried to be faithful to Jesus, tried to be faithful to their understanding of Scripture, and, and sometimes that's put them in... in uh, pardon the phrase, hot spot, uh, because some of them have been in literal hot spots uh, over the years. But what happens when we forget those that have come before us, those saints of the church that have come before us? It seems like in more recent times, uh, there's a movement in some parts of the church to leave behind a historical perspective. Uh, maybe that comes from an emphasis on sola scriptura, only scripture as authoritative, and I, I believe that too. Um, but we've kind of sidelined the great history of those who have attempted to practically live out those words of scripture and example of Jesus. 
Maybe it's because the, the Protestant part of the church has not venerated the saints in the way that you know, our uh, Roman Catholic or Eastern Orthodox brothers and sisters do. But in the process, we've often left the stories of these folks behind. We don't learn the lessons of their lives. It seems as though something gets lost or left behind. I think the saints, these, these people that have come before us, show us what faithfulness in a context looks like. For me, saints aren't about that official process of the church, but heroes of the faith that attempted to faithfully reflect Jesus in their context. And if you look back over the church's history, not just Spring Creek Church, not just the Church of the Brethren, but the the broader uh, understanding of the cloud of witnesses. If you look back, you see a whole lot of people being faithful in different uh, contexts, different histories, different um, relationship with, with government or different relationship with church. And we see what it's like to be faithful to following Jesus going to throw out some, some more names for us to maybe look at and, and reflect on. In the early church, Polycarp was one who demonstrated faithfulness to the way of Jesus in the midst of Roman persecution, who, who stood in the middle of the Colosseum and, and defied the emperor for failing to bow down and worship the emperor as God. One of our, the stories of brethren history of John Noss, who showed what it meant to be faithful to the Prince of Peace when the king was calling him to serve him, and he said, I, I already have a king. John Klein showed what it looks like to cross boundaries to keep the church united when the country was being ripped apart during civil war. And maybe we need to revisit some of these stories. Klein would show us that what it's like and that it's no easy task keeping two sides together. And in fact, it may cost dearly. In the video, um, she talked about St. Francis and Claire of Assisi who called out the excesses of the Roman clergy and chose instead to live simple lives before the brethren had come up with simply peacefully together. They were living simply in order to to live with those who had nothing, in order to call out the ways that um, the the rich had become richer and were uh, growing richer at the expense of many. Dietrich Bonhoeffer and the confessing church under Nazi Germany, faithfully calling the German church away from nationalism and towards a love of Jesus and neighbor. And maybe that's a story we need to go back to and reflect on and maybe we all need to pull out some Bonhoeffer and read. Stories of Michael Sattler, who despite persecution helped to define Anabaptist beliefs and became one of the earliest Anabaptist martyrs. Dirk Willems, who would have been imprisoned for his faith and yet escaped. And as he uh, 
As the story goes, he was imprisoned in in a a jail cell and he was being starved as part of his punishment for his faith. And uh, that starvation eventually worked in his favor and he could fit between the bars. And he escaped the prison. And he fled in the middle of the winter and he crossed uh, this frozen lake. And again, because of the starvation that had happened, he was able to go across the frozen lake But one of the the, uh, guards that was pursuing him um, had not been starved and fell through the ice. And Dirk stopped and turned back to come and help him because he didn't feel that it was right that this man should lose his life because uh, of a choice that Dirk had made. So he turned back and and rescued uh, the, the guard and was recaptured and later burned at the stake. We can and should ask when we're going through our own situations, what would Jesus do? I don't remember how many of you had the the bracelets, the WWJD bracelets that we we used to wear that was a reminder, what would Jesus do? And if you're going to ask that question, which I think is a good question, you should also ask yourself, what did Jesus do? We have to look back at the life and the teaching of Jesus and ask, what did Jesus do? And I, because I believe what Jesus would do and what Jesus did do would go together. They would be consistent. But I think we can also look at how faithful people of Jesus have responded to different situations, different challenges, different problems in their own time and place. So our passage in Hebrews. It follows on the heels of what some call the hall of faith. Hebrews 11 lifts up some of the Old Testament heroes of faith going down kind of through the the Old Testament and telling us some of those faithful people. And then we get to chapter 12 and it says, Since we are surrounded by such a cloud of witnesses. And the picture of here is like entering into a stadium and having the stadium full of people who have come before us, who have uh, been faithful in following Jesus, and they're, they're looking on, they're cheering us on. Imagine that stadium filled with those folks that you all have named, others that have been named in the church, and, and so many unnamed faithful people who have paved the way for us to be where we are today. The writer says, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely. You know, runners today, um, whether that's uh, long distance running, sprinters, they don't wear a, a whole lot of clothing. They don't want a lot of fabric and weight getting in the way. Although, uh, you know, as little as runners might wear today, uh, it sure beats what runners in the ancient world wore, which was Nothing. They didn't want anything getting in the way of them competing, uh, weighing them down, or they, you know, the robes were, were getting in the way of their, their running. The idea is that you're trying to get rid of anything that might hinder running the race. I don't know if you've ever tried running with a, a backpack full of stuff. Um, on occasions, my kids are, you know, kind of late out uh, the door in the mornings, and they're running for the bus, 
And it's, it's kind of comical when they've got, you know, several books and a Chromebook and, you know, whatever other gadgets and uh, fidgets that they've stuffed into their backpack, other contraband that they shouldn't have in that backpack. <clears throat> and, and they're running for the bus, but, you know, they're, they're, they're weighed down, they're loaded down with all this stuff. It makes it quite difficult to run. And so the writer of Hebrews is saying, get rid of that stuff. Get rid of that so that we can run our race. It says, let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us. It's interesting to me that we do each have a race marked out. And not all races are the same. My race is a little bit different than your race, who's a little bit different than somebody else's race. And, and our race is different than uh, races that people ran 100 years ago, 500 years ago, 1,000 years ago. And yet we can look back at the lives of those that have come before us and see when they faced obstacles, when they faced challenges, how did, they, how did they deal with that? How did they overcome those? How did they walk through those challenges? And how does that uh, impact my life and the way I face my challenges? Our races might look different from one another. We don't all start out at the same place. And certainly while the goal is Jesus, different races have different obstacles and different hurdles. Um, I don't know what kind of race comes to mind uh, when you hear this passage. Um, I certainly uh, don't think now of a sprint. I don't think of life or, or uh, the running the race of faith is like a sprint Think more of it, uh, an obstacle course or the steeplechase or uh, maybe better yet, one of those Tough mutter events. I don't know if you've seen, participated in this um, or whether you're probably more like me and you've just seen videos of crazy people running through the mud and over the obstacles and swinging over things. It looks wonderful. It looks like a great challenge. Um, but I think that uh, reflects pretty well what... The, the race of faith might look like. Sometimes swinging high, sometimes, you know, down in the mud and the muck and the mire and, you know, sometimes it's a prettier race than others. But in the middle of those races, looking to Jesus, the writer says, the pioneer and perfecter of faith who for the sake of the joy that was set before him endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. Eyes fixed on the one who ran the race perfectly. Eyes fixed on who we're running towards. We named some of our own saints this morning. The saints give us a picture of what a faithful race might look like. They show us how they ran their race and what it looked like for them to be faithful given their obstacles and their hurdles. 
When I coached football, we would uh, spend hours during the week watching video of our team and how we had done and how we had played the week before, but we also spent a lot of time watching other teams play whoever our next opponent was. We would see what they did well and how they faced uh, these players and and how their things worked or, or didn't work. We watched to see how they tried to overcome the obstacles and make certain plays on offense or defense. You saw what worked or what didn't work for them so that you had a better idea of what to expect when we played them. And I think that's a little bit of what the saints, those that have come before us, do. They show us how they dealt with obstacles. They show us what it meant to be faithful in a certain time, in a certain place, in a a certain situation. When we find ourselves in certain situations, we might have a little bit more guidance, a little bit better idea of how to face those situations. With all the the video watching that we used to do uh, coaching football, um, we had one coach that had an expression after we would watch all of our film, and and we'd spend hours watching film, and uh, our players would spend hours watching film. But he had this expression at the end of the week. Sometimes it's not about the X's and the O's. We draw up our plays with our X's and our O's. Sometimes it's not about the X's and O's. It's about the Jimmy's and Joe's, which meant you can study film all week and how others did it. And that's an important part of the preparation. But you still have to play your own game. At some point, everything that you drew up on a, on a chalkboard or a dry erase board and all the film that you watched and all the things that you studied were really helpful. But you had to go out and you had to run your race. You had to compete in your way. Okay? The situations you might face will be different than what our saints faced. We should learn from our heroes and sheroes of the faith to catch a glimpse of what faithfulness looks like in a given context. And then think of these saints cheering each of us on as we run our race, throwing off the things that get in the way and fixing our eyes on Jesus who waits with arms open. As you go through you know, this afternoon and maybe you have a chance to, to reflect on those people that have come before you. Maybe uh, parents, grandparents, other uh, people in, in the church that you grew up with who demonstrated faithfulness, service, you know, what it meant to follow Jesus. Maybe you have uh, books uh, of people that have come before us that help to influence your faith. I I hope you, uh, and I encourage you to take some time and to reflect on their lives and what faithfulness for them looked like. This morning as we bring our worship towards a close, I'm going to invite us to stand in body or spirit and turn in the blue hymnal to number 413 as we sing Faith of the Martyrs. Would you rise?